Okay, well, y'all, let's, let's jump in. We're going to finish this series today. If you, if you haven't been with us for the last four weeks, let me recap where we're at. So we've been in this series. Help me out. What's it called? We've been in this series called The Modern Family. And what we have been doing with The Modern Family is talking about the five biggest challenges in The Modern Family. And the five biggest challenges are time, money, kids, marriage, and sex. Now, we have talking, we've talked about time, money, kids, and marriage, and this morning, we're going to be talking about sex. Now, what we have been talking about is, what is it that God says, that the Bible says about all of these issues? How should I spend my time? How should I deal with and raise my kids? How should I spend and steward my money the way that God has called me to? How should I act in my marriage? My, uh, husbands loving your wife, just like Christ loved the church. Women submitting to a husband that is loving her like Christ loved the church. We've been dealing with what the Bible has to say with all of these different things. And today, we're going to be discussing Sex. Now, I did tell you last week, and I will tell you again, this might be a week that you don't want to have your little kids in here. Uh, so because of the topic that we're discussing, uh, you, so if you have kids that are children's church age and you have not had these types of conversations with them, you might want to send them to children's church because uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. A little bit of today is going to make you a little uncomfortable. Y'all okay with that? Okay, the, the three of y'all, thank you. For everyone else, uh, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for myself as we dive in. Are y'all ready? Would you join me? Hey, let's do this. I'm going to pray that the Lord would only let me speak what I'm supposed to speak. <laughs> and why don't you pray that God would only let you hear what you're supposed to hear? Okay, here we go. You ready? Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now. God, we thank you. We thank you because you have established guidelines for the family in your word. Your word tells us how to spend our time, how to deal with and raise our kids, how to deal with and, and, and work in our marriage, how to spend our finances. Your word tells us how to deal with and what is the proper things and way to have sex. And God, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would open up my mouth and your Holy Spirit would use my mouth as a piece to give clarity to places that need clarity, to encourage and lift up people that need encouragement. Father, I pray for deliverance today for people that need to deliver, need to be delivered. And God, I just pray that you would only allow me to speak what I need to speak and allow them to hear what they need to hear today. In your precious name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. I'm gonna be honest with y'all, I really battled with dealing with this issue because sex is something that makes people blush and a little uncomfortable in church. As a matter of fact, sex is one of those things that we pretty much don't even talk about in our families. Like you don't just go have these conversations with your parents about sex, right? How many of y'all, let's, let's see, how many of y'all as you were growing up would just run, how many of y'all just ran and had conversations with your parents about sex? Okay, about 7% of y'all. How many of y'all really didn't talk almost at all in your family about sex? Okay, that's what I, what I figured. So listen to me. If the church will not talk about sex and the family who is supposed to be leading us in, in the things of God, in the word of God, if the family will not talk about sex and the church will not talk about sex, guess who we're learning all of our sex stuff from? You think that's a good place to learn it? No, it is not. And so what I'm dealing with today and I'm nervous about today. What I'm dealing with today, I'm talking about today, is something that I believe is the, one of the biggest issues, if not the biggest issue in our society. 
And you have, we have got to be giving wisdom in our families and in our churches on sex. Why is it important? Let me share with you why it's important. Let me share with you why I'm dealing with this in a whole sermon and not just a little part. Here's why. Right now in our culture, people are more sexually confused than they have been in hundreds and hundreds of years. Y'all, we don't even know the difference between a boy and a girl. That's biology. That should be easy. Yep, he's a boy. She's a girl. Nope, it's not that easy anymore. We are so confused in our culture on things that deal with sex and sexual things. Somebody say amen. How about this, y'all? 78%. I said 87 last week and I was wrong. I went back to look it up. Barna did a group, uh, Barna study did, group did a study that showed that 78% of men in the American culture deal with some form of sexual addiction. You know what that means? That means this church is full of them. Some form of sexual addiction, whether that be pornography, whether that be masturbation, there's some form of sexual addiction that 78% of American men are dealing with. Did you know that pornography and, and types of pornography is the fastest growing business in America right now? You know why? Because 78% of men are dealing with some type of sexual issue and the church doesn't want to talk about it. 55% of women have some form of sexual addiction. I would say sex is probably the biggest temptation and the biggest stronghold in our culture. Sex, listen to me, sexual sin is the most hidden sin there is. Why? Because we don't want to talk about it. You don't come down to the altar and say, hey, I'm dealing with all kinds of sexual addiction. Will you pray for me? No, because there's just so much shame and guilt that's built in every other addiction or every other thing we can come up. Man, I've been dealing with drugs for forever. Can you pray for me? That one's easy. But to come up and tell people that you deal with sexual things, you think they're going to look at you like you're, <laughs> like you're a freak. Amen? So it's the most hidden sin. We just try to hide it instead of deal with it. Sexual sin, listen to me, it affects our bodies like we don't even understand. Let me give you Bible on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18 says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Listen to me. Stay with me today. Sex and intimacy, when pure and done according to Scripture, can be one of the most beautiful things, if not the most beautiful thing on the planet. But... On the flip side, when sex is allowed to be perverted, like it has been perverted in our culture, and we just accept it the way that it is, it can be the most perverse thing on our planet. I believe sex and sexual issues are no longer a topic that the church can keep quiet about. And so here we are, dealing with this really fun issue to deal with today. It's time for the church to step up. And honestly, parents, it is time for families to step up and give guidance and wisdom and clarity on things that have to do with sex and hard sexual questions. So I have several thoughts that I want to share with you. Uh, I'm going to put them in the form of points. Some of these points will be short and some of these points will be longer. Let's dive right in so that I can get this over with. <sighs> Point number one, God established and gave us sex. 
He gave us our sex drive, and he encouraged us to use it once we're married. And if you're married, you say, I say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you're married in this place, I want to encourage you outside of the church. Listen to me. Sex is something that's talked about a lot. Outside of the church, sex is something that can be, we we consider it a positive thing and a thing that we encourage and we encourage it and pervert it in wrong ways. And then you get inside the church and we just don't talk about it. I remember being a youth pastor in Texarkana. Yo, I'm going to have to stop and talk to you while I tie my shoe. I remember being a youth pastor in Texarkana, and I decided to do a series on sex with our students. And so I told them, hey, next week I'm going to be talking for a few weeks about sex. And this girl who's a Christian girl, she's like 17 years old. She goes, ew, that's nasty. Are you kidding me? That's nasty? Like that's what our kids are thinking about sex. Listen, sex is not nasty unless it's perverted. When sex is done right, it's a beautiful thing, and it is a wonderful thing. It is something that was established by God. But we have our kids saying that it's nasty because we're not talking to them about it. We're not dealing with these things. And so sex outside of the world is encouraged, and it's everywhere. Sex inside of the church, inside outside of the church, sex inside of the church is not being talked about. It's time to start talking about it. So here we go. Listen. God formed your body. As a matter of fact, our body is the only thing that he formed. Now say he was here with me. Everything else he spoke into existence. He spoke the heavens and the earth into existence. He spoke the ground and the vegetation and the trees. He even spoke the animals, male and female, into existence. But the human The Bible says that he came down and he scooped up in Genesis chapter 2 some dust from the earth and he began to form your body out of the dust of the earth and he gave you everything that you have. He formed my sexual parts. He formed my sex drive. There's a purpose for that drive. It's not all perverted. It's got a purpose. But he formed it and when done right, it is amazing. When done wrong, it is not. Somebody say amen. He put it into our DNA. Here's why. Because he wanted us to have this desire intimately and sexually for our spouse. The issue is that it has got so perverted that no longer is it this good thing for a husband and a wife. It's just a thing for everyone. So God encourages us with sex and creates sex. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28. Here's what he says. God says, to Adam and Eve after he forms them and he, he, he brings them together. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. I like that verse. Be fruitful and multiply. What is he saying? He's saying, I just formed your bodies. Each of you have these desires for each other. Go about and be passionate for each other. Y'all, Adam and Eve was walking around naked. What you think was happening in the garden? And listen to me. It was happening without shame. It was happening without guilt. It was happening because the way that God established sex to happen, and when it's done the way that God intended for it to be done, then it's beautiful. But then something happened. What happened is sin entered the world. Do you remember the very first thing that happens when sin enters the world? First thing is shame. They felt shame 
all over you. You know what the second thing that they did was? They covered up their sexual organs. Did you realize that? Something that was meant to be beautiful became perverted, become shameful, became nasty, became something that we don't want to talk about because sin entered the world. So now what happens? Here's what happens, y'all, and you're going to be a little uncomfortable here. I'm just going to tell you. What happens is we start growing up. And inside the church, here's what happens. You get 13, 14 years old, and you start having these desires. You start having these things happening with your body, and you don't know what in the world's going on. They're teaching you some things at school, but what they're teaching you is a little bit on the perverted and, and, and that side. You're sure not about to go ask mom and dad about it because there's not really an open environment there. So these things are happening. Then you have these dreams, these dreams that happen. You have no idea what's going on with your body. It's uncontrollable. Then, hey, you go swimming. You go swimming with a group of friends, and all the ladies are in their bathing suits, and you can't control what's going on in your body, so you got to sit in the water for a little while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't want to talk about this. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. You think you're uncomfortable. Picture yourself up here. <laughs> so then you got to wait for things to calm down. And then what happens after that? Here's what happens after that. You go home, and you remember what happened in the pool. And you think, man, what in the heck was going on with me? How come I couldn't control my body? And then you get curious. You know what happens when you get curious? You either get good answers and wisdom on things that you're curious about or you get bad. And typically what we do when we're curious and we don't know, we sure ain't asking mom. I ain't calling pastor. We don't want to talk about it with pastor. So what do we do? Well, I wonder if that would happen again. So we get on my phone because everyone's got a phone. You look up another girl in a bathing suit. What happens? Same thing happens, except for this time, you have a perverted desire for someone that you don't even know because she's in a bathing suit, because she's got physical pieces that are not very covered up. And so now you have a per perverted desire of thing that's going on, of something that's going on. Listen, <laughs> I know we don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it today. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to know a lot of things. Thing number one is that sex that sexual and intimate desire that you have is actually a good thing when you're married. When you're married, you're going you're to fall in love. And the outcome of that desire and what comes with that desire and the, the way that sex brings you unified and closer and intimate with your spouse, that is what God intended for sex in a sex drive. So what you have to do is you have to protect yourself before you get to that place. Because if you don't, then it becomes you lusting after something that you should not be lusting after. So how do you have self-control when it seems like your body's out of control and you've got all these things going on? Listen, this advice this morning is for men and women. Here we go. Learn self-control by keeping your eyes, your heart, and your mind pure. Now listen, I know that that is so hard in today's culture. You know why that's so hard? Because everything is perverted. You can't watch a series of commercials without something being perverted. You can't watch a, a, a commercial about Pizza Hut without it being perverted. You know what they're going to do? They want to sell you a pizza. Well, what do you want to buy? You want to buy something that's, that's getting your desires up, so they're going to throw a half-naked lady up there eating a piece of pizza. They're not selling you pizza. They're selling you something that's been perverted. Amen. So it's hard. It's so hard to keep your eyes and your mind and your heart pure. But that is what we have to do. Somebody say amen. 
Here's what you got to learn to do. When something is turning on your sexual desire, you have got to learn to turn it back off. You've got to learn if something is coming into your eyes and doing something that you cannot control, learn to shut those eyes. Learn to start speaking scripture into your, your mind so that you can get scripture moving in your mind away from what your mind was thinking. Listen to me this morning. Don't allow yourself to watch things that turn it on. You know why? Because then you're going to be tempted to do something. Don't read books that turn it on. I know that it feels good because physically it feels good. But you know what doesn't feel good? The shame and the guilt that you feel when you're done. And the fact that it separates you if you're married from your spouse. It separates you from God. And the Bible says this is a sin that you are doing against your own body. And it's quiet in here. You got to learn the things that tempt you and you got to stay away from those things. You got to shut down your eyes and your mind and your heart to those things. If you cannot, you will fail. Can I stop here and say something that some of you are not going to want to hear? I need one person. Thank you. Okay. Ladies, the guys need your help. You know why we need your help? This week, my, my wife pulled up Facebook and she showed me most of my oldest two, two kids' friends that were females on Facebook. You know what all I saw? All little skimpy bikinis. And you know what they're doing when all they see is little skimpy bikinis? They're having thoughts. If that's what you post on your Facebook, I can promise you that you're helping someone to be tempted to do something wrong. Well, he should have control. You're right, but you could help him out. If you could just be a little bit more modest. So we, we dress in these little skimpy bikinis. Now I'll get to the guys in a minute. We dress in these little skimpy bikinis, and then you want to wonder why the guy's all upon you. Whenever he's around you, oh, don't, don't, you're all upon me. It's like, you know, well, all he's thinking about is what he was thinking about when he saw you in the little skimpy bikini. And he's been looking at that picture for two weeks. He can't help it. Well, I mean, he could. But you're not helping. And all I'm saying is a little bit of modesty would help some men to not have to deal with that temptation. Okay, I'm going to move on. <laughs> Listen, the good news is at the right time, you do finally get to act on those desires. And if you did it the right way, and this is the only person that you've acted on those desires with, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Here's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 9. He says, and he's talking to a group of men, if you cannot control yourselves or themselves, they should go ahead and get married. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Listen, you say, well, is there really that much difference? There is difference because sex under the covenant of marriage is a blessing. Sex outside of the covenant of, of marriage is a curse. And so Paul is telling them, hey, do you want to be blessed or do you want to be cursed? Because if, all, if, if that lust is going through you and you're close and, and you know that's the person that you want to be with, go ahead and marry her because it's the difference between being cursed and being blessed. And if you're not going to marry her, then just quit altogether. Okay. So number one, God gave us sex and our sex drive and encouraged us to use it after we get married 
before you get married, or if you've been married and you're not married now, you have to practice self-control. Not that married, married people got to practice self-control too. You say, that ain't fair. No, it's fair. They got married, y'all. But you have to practice self-control, and that's up to you what you look at. You can stop yourself from looking at something. You can move on to something else. Amen? Amen. Okay, number two in your notes is this. Once you get married, serve your spouse sexually. I was waiting. I was hoping at least one. I did not get even one. I wish I could understand why people have a problem with this point. I love this point. (laughs) Listen, we have a problem. In our culture, we have a problem with this point. We really do. Uh, I'm going to deal with some of it in just a minute. Um, So you finally get to, you finally get married Now you get to act on those desires. Sex can be a blessing. You should do everything that you can to serve each other. Listen, men, it shouldn't just be about you. In a lot of of sexual relationships, it is. It's like, man, you, 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 well. I'm just going to say it shouldn't be about you. It should be about both of you serving each other sexually. Because Corinthians talks about this. Listen to me. So Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5 says, Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. Then give yourselves, to give yourselves more to prayer afterwards, everybody say afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So if you... Let me figure out where I want to go here. Listen, it, if you got married, part of your job description is pleasing your spouse sexually. It's in there. I just read it, y'all. It's in there. This is for the men and for the women, for you to please your spouse sexually. Now, I want to talk to the ladies for a minute, and then I want to talk to the men, okay? Ladies, can I just tell you, I've seen this all, all through our culture. I hope it's not going on in the church. We'll see in just a minute by the reactions that I see on your faces. But the worst thing that you can do is discipline your husband by saying, he ain't getting none for a week. <laughs> it's literally the worst thing that you can do. You got mad at your husband and then you want to you discipline him. You want to, you wanna, what's it called? Uh, 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 Punish him. Thank you. You want to punish him by not letting him have sex. You know what the only thing that that's going to do is? Is it's going to pull you away from each other. Sex was meant to unify. That's why they call it makeup sex when you're mad at each other. Sex was meant to unify you together. It was never meant for you to punish someone with sex so that it can pull you apart. And listen, let me give you some science, y'all. I hope this doesn't make you uncomfortable. If it does, eh. For a man... For a man that is sexually active, I learned this in a church Bible class. I just want to throw that out there. For a man that is sexually active, after about 72 hours, his body actually begins to crave sexual activity. How many of y'all didn't know that? (laughs) Nobody wants to raise their hand on that. His body begins to crave sexual activity. That's why maybe he's getting a little bit, a little bit irritated after about four or five days or, you know, things are going on like that. I'm trying to stay, I'm trying to stay, uh, help me out here, y'all. So listen, what, so your job as a spouse, you need to know after 72 hours. Does that mean every 72 hours you need to go and do the thing and get it done? No. Here's what you need to know. 
you need to know, just like I was talking about ladies helping the guys out, here's what you need to know, ladies. You need to know that after 72 hours, temptation begins to build in him way more than it did before. And that lack of self-control that Paul's talking about is because the temptation is building up. When he says the temptation is building up, what he's saying is go get married so you can have sex. So that you don't have this temptation building up. So ladies, you need to understand and you need to know part of your job description is to help your man not to be tempted. And if after a certain amount of time he's getting more and more tempted, part of you, at least some of you, should want him to not be tempted to do Not that he's supposed to have self-control. But that's part of your job. Somebody say amen. amen. Oh, y'all, this is hard. Let me talk to the men for just a minute. <laughs> men, sex is very much a physical thing for you. And it's not fair if that's the way that you treat it. Because a huge percent of women... Sex is way more emotional and mental than it is physical. It ends up being physical, but you got to get through the emotional and the, the, the mental sometimes before you can get to the physical. So it's really, really easy, ladies, to provide what the man needs because it, well, I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, it's, it's easy for him. It's physical. But it's a lot more challenging sometimes. This says, Paul said to provide for each other what each other needs. That doesn't mean the guys can just get their release and be done. That means that he should be able to provide for the ladies what they need. So what, man, y'all, this is awkward. <laughs> what does that mean? Guys, that means you should be having conversations with your ladies so that they can help you to understand what could make things better for them. Guys, that means educating yourselves just a little bit. To make sure that, hey, at least maybe every 72 hours she might want to would be good on your behalf. And so if you're doing things, if you're, if you're growing and you're being educated and you're making it to where she's enjoying it just as much as you're enjoying it. Okay, I'm going to move on. Okay. Point number three, what's off limits? Y'all, the reason that I'm doing this is I just believe it's so talked about out there. And I believe we should understand. If you can help your husband and your wife not get tempted, why would you not do that? It's awkward for you and me, but dead gummit, we need to talk about this stuff. <laughs> Thank you. Number three, what is off limits in the marriage bed? Jesus, help me. Is this live? <laughs> what is off limits in the marriage bed? Listen, you know why I put this point in here? I put this point in here because I've heard things taught in church that were inaccurate. And I felt like that I needed to deal with them because they were inaccurate. I've heard things like uh, the only way, I heard it in a Sunday school class one time, that if you are not having sex in the missionary position, then it is wrong. What? What the heck? Where does that even come from? Like, missionary position. <laughs> I don't see that. I heard taught one time in a Sunday school class that if you are using sex for more than procreating, that it is wrong. 
Listen, y'all, those are inaccurate statements. And if you've been taught that in church, I'm sorry. That's inaccurate. So we need to deal with what is truth. Now, let me give you some. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. It says, marriage is honorable among all. Everybody say marriage. And the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So sex in adultery and sex before marriage, God will judge. But sex under the covenant of marriage, the Bible says, is undefiled. Now, I looked up what undefiled means, and it literally means to be pure. Y'all, that's beautiful. Sex between a husband and a wife is pure. It's beautiful. And here's how I've explained, in my opinion, I'm gonna have to give you Josh's opinion based off of how I've read the Bible and get the Bible. And if you disagree with me, that's okay. How we decide in our family what's off limits and what's not. First of all, if scripture tells you something is off limits, it's off limits. And we try to justify something just because we wanna try it or we're curious or whatever. No, it's off limits. Somebody say amen. Second of all, and I think this is so important, y'all. Sex was created to bring together and unify a husband and a wife. So anything that you are doing that is making your spouse uncomfortable or that is disunifying your relationship should be off limits. There's so many different, I've had, I'm not even going to bring them up because it's already been awkward, but I've had questions asked to me, is this, type, is this sex wrong? Is this wrong? Is this wrong? And in those scenarios, the Bible doesn't really deal with them a whole lot. And so what I've said is, oh, why are you asking me this question? Well, I'm curious. What, is your, what does your wife think about that? Oh, she doesn't like it. Okay, good. That makes it an easy one. It's wrong. If she has no interest and she's not interested and it's making her uncomfortable, what you're going to do by doing that type of sex or whatever it is, is you are going to, instead of you unifying, you're going to drive a wedge. And when you drive a wedge, you are actually taking and perverting sex, even though it's between a husband and a wife. The only reason that we ask those questions sometimes is because our our culture is so perverse that we wonder, could we do that in in, in marriage? And then in the way that I established that, is, and, and this is through scripture, and I dig through the, the, through the scripture for this, if, you're, if, if, if it is not unifying you as a couple, it should be off limits. Because that is what sex was designed to do. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay. While we're here, I'd like to throw out some things just for clarification. First of all, pornography is always wrong. It's also the strongest addiction, the fastest growing industry and the fastest growing addiction that there is. The only addiction that comes pretty close, this is number two, is gambling. Think about how many people gamble. Think about the billions and billions and billions of dollars that goes into gambling. Much more than that goes into pornography. That addiction is so strong. It's always, everybody say it's always wrong. Secondly, masturbation is always wrong. And the only reason that I felt like I needed to deal with this is because, and I'm not saying, um, yeah, I'm not gonna go there. Okay. What I am saying 
So masturbation is always wrong. The reason that I, I am even diving into this subject is because I heard in an argument one time on a, a study, a sex study that we were having through, with a group of men that literally 50% of the guys believed that if they were ba- masturbating, thinking about their wife, that it was okay. And then 50% of them believed that it was not okay. Well, it's sex with my wife because I'm thinking about my wife. And I'm sorry that we're having to deal with this, but I want to bring clarity to something that I think needs clarity. That's wrong. Why is it wrong? Let me share with you why. Is it with your wife? Is it something that is unifying you with your wife? Let me ask you this. Is it something that is pulling you away from your wife? Yes. Why? Because if I'm having sex on my own, even with thinking about my wife, I no longer need my wife. It is not unifying us as a couple. It is dividing us as a couple, and it is always wrong. Somebody say amen. Okay, for the last point. Do everything that you can to stay pure. This one's much easier than the other ones. Do everything that you can to stay pure. Here's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 5 says. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans, but those who know God. Y'all, I know that it's really tough in our culture. I know that it's everywhere But that just means you as God's people, as a holy and a righteous people, you have got to work hard to stay pure. But just because you got to work hard does not mean that you can't make sure that you do it. Well, it's everywhere, Pastor. I know it. I live in the same culture you do. That just means you have got to work hard. Somebody say amen. To have self-control. Run from sexual things, do not allow them into your eyes, into your mind, into your brain. Stay pure. I have one more thing that I want to deal with, so I'm going to close this out. How can I practically stay, stay pure in the culture that we live in? Youth, I want you guys to really focus here and anybody that deals with any type of sexual addiction. How can I stay pure? How can I get past this? I want to give you four pieces. Number one, allow God to give you freedom. So many times what I have found is we partially want to let go of that addiction, but then we also partially want to hang on to it because it feels good. Allow him to give you freedom. He wants to break those chains, but you have to give them to him for him to break it. Number two, memorize the scriptures in the sexual purity book that we, we pass out. There's 13 scriptures, and I promise you, I put this into play in my own life. Every one of us deal with, with sexual thoughts. So I've, I've had to put these into play in my own life. Take those scriptures, memorize those scriptures, and then when you see something, when you have something, when you watch something that you need to turn off but it's still there, then you can go back to those scriptures and you can battle those things with scripture. And when you can battle those things with scripture, then it convinces yourself to be pure. Number three, Get you some accountability, y'all. Whether that be a friend, a spouse, a pastor. This week, I had a, a, a brother of mine text me, not literal brother, but a brother in Christ, text me and say, hey, look, I set you up on my, I don't know what it's called. Uh, so anytime I look at something that I'm not supposed to look at, you're going to get an email. Uh, listen, you want, <laughs> you want to make sure that you're not looking up something on your phone that you're not supposed to look up? Put your pastor as the person that gets the emails. <laughs> Probably not going to look something up that... Uh, Right? I just thought that was really cool. Hey, number four, 
Stay in the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Listen, Psalms 119-9 says this. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. Stay pure by staying in the word of God. And then I want to deal with something really, really hard as I close. In closing this morning, in fact, would you stand? Worship team, would you guys come up here? In closing, I want to deal with two groups of people that have been very negatively affected by sex that I believe that God wants to heal and deliver this morning. Can we just do this? Can we close our eyes and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today? The first group of people If you're in here this morning and you've been abused, you've been assaulted, you've been raped, you have been violated in a way that you should have never been violated, I want you to know that God wants to restore you. That should have never happened. But he wants to carry that burden for you. I am so sorry that happened it was wrong and it's because we live in a perverted and nasty world but I believe today that if you will allow God y'all right now in our culture it's one in three people that have been violated or assaulted sexually in some form some fashion in just a minute when we allow when we open up our altar area, if you want to give that to God, I believe that he's going to take and break that away from you and off of you today. Secondly, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and church family, I need you to have some grace here. If you have abused someone, sexually or even physically, maybe it was before you got saved, maybe you were drunk, and you did something stupid and you're carrying this burden and you've given your life to Jesus, but you've still been carrying this burden because you know that you should have never done that thing. I believe this morning that God wants to heal you and move you forward from that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, altar team, would you step out and come? With every head bowed and every eye closed. This morning as we're closing out this series, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and dealing with you on something that you know that you need to be at the altar for, maybe, maybe when I started talking about being abused, maybe that was you and you're ready today to give that to the Lord and allow him to restore you and him to carry that so that you don't have to. Maybe that's you. Maybe you were the abuser or a abuser and you wanna give that to the Lord this morning. Maybe it's something different. Maybe you have been holding on to a sexual addiction that you need broken off. Listen, if God is dealing with something, if the Holy Spirit's dealing with something, do not walk out of this place this morning without allowing him to touch you and deliver you and deal with that situation. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're about to worship the Lord. We're gonna sing a song. And if you're here this morning and you wanna step out and come worship him, or if you're here this morning and you wanna allow God to deal with the issues and the things that you know that you need dealt with, come on right now. Y'all do not allow Satan to take your victory. If you know that you need to be at the altar, step out and come right now and let's worship the Lord.